A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Today we get some super nuclear revenge against a supervisor. We'll get into that in a bit, but first, my dear Ashley. Ashley and I had been married for close to six years, so deep down, doing this to her made me feel bad about myself. But basically, it was something I could just not avoid doing. It is something I had to do. As she stared at me in the living room, I let out a wide grin from ear to ear and told her, You can finally leave my house now. Thank you. Do have a nice life, and I'm not sorry for wasting your life. While she was walking out of the room, I had this moment where I felt really fulfilled. Our story goes way back to when we were married. Ashley and I were together since we were both in high school. She majored in microbiology while I did my majors in the management field. We graduated at the same time, and immediately after graduation, we both moved in and lived together for close to two years. I decided that the time was right for me to propose to her, and I did so in the best possible way I could. On her birthday, which just so happens to coincide with our anniversary, On that day, September 21st, 2011, Ashley had made me the happiest man on planet Earth. Right after our wedding, I had planned to take Ashley to the city of love, right in the heart of France, Paris, for our honeymoon. But it was on this day it all began. But naive young me, I couldn't have pieced it all together at the time. But thinking back now, with the knowledge what I've uncovered now, I know now that time really is the best teacher, and that you never truly know anybody. Not even people you plan to spend the rest of your life with. On this day, Ashley and I had just landed in Paris, and we went straight to our hotel room first. For we were both pretty exhausted and jet-lagged from the long flight. When we got in, I called in room service to order food for the both of us. While room service was on their way, Ashley went into the bathroom to take a nap and freshen up. Having lived with her for quite a while, I knew her habits already. Whenever she went into the bathroom to take a bath and freshen up, This usually meant that she was going to spend a really long time in the bathroom, probably around 40 minutes to an hour. I guess it depends on how she feels at the time because, on some occasions, when she goes in, while she was in there, she got a message on her phone. I'm usually not all nosy around her business, but I just felt that we were on our honeymoon so she shouldn't be disturbed. But when I saw the message, I got a little confused. The contents of the message read, I miss you, followed by a heart emoji. When I read this message for the first time, my brain hadn't processed what this meant, but rethinking it over and over again as I had the luxury to do so, I started to have other thoughts, and I asked her while she was in the bathroom who it was that was sending her messages at this time of the evening and also while she was on her honeymoon. When she heard what I asked, she immediately rushed out of the bathroom and hurriedly snatched her phone from my hands. I was shocked mainly because what had happened just right before my eyes was something I'd never seen before. Ashley running right out of the bathroom after planning on staying there for quite a while. That evening, we had a very long talk about who it was that messaged her and, I guess looking back now, a lot of lies were told. Because I'd taken everything she had told me back then, hook, line, and sinker. We got into our first quarrel as a married couple and our first fight as a couple in over three years. We slept apart from each other the whole night, as after everything she had told me, but I was still a bit skeptical. But after I woke up the next morning, I decided that I didn't want the memory the both of us would have about Honeymoon to be us quarreling all through. 
So I made up with her with my signature breakfast and things were okay. Or so I thought. We enjoyed the rest of our one-week honeymoon and we went back home the following week. About three weeks after we had gotten back home, she told me she wanted to head on over to her mom's place, mainly to visit her family, saying she missed them and all. I was initially not against it, but the problem came when I offered to go with her, but she said I shouldn't worry. I paid it no attention and shrugged it off at the time. It was only after she had left the house for about a week that I began to question myself and her actions, mainly because a friend of mine had pointed something out to me, making me realize some things about being married. I called my ex-wife that evening to ask her about how things were over at her parents' place. I got a positive response that day, and every other day, so I thought everything was okay, until that same friend made a wild and, at the time, ridiculous and absurd statement that she was over at a guy's place. Because, according to him, she was acting all too shady and her mode of acting was that of someone trying to cover up his or her guilt. I got into a fight with my friend, all while trying to defend my wife's dignity. He left our hangout spot that day with a word of advice for me. He told me no matter what, I should never reveal to my wife the fact the exact amount I was going to be getting paid, as I was on the verge of getting promoted in my place of work. I was going to be making well over six digits annually as the new regional general manager of our company. I'd initially planned on telling Ashley when she got back from work that day, but one thing led to another. I had to rethink my way of thinking, and I decided I wouldn't tell her. But this decision was just for a while. I hadn't planned on keeping things from my dear wife at the time, as I took my wedding vows very seriously. One thing led to another. I came across a video of my wife having dinner with another man and thus was not even anywhere remotely near her parents' place. The restaurant she was in was one not too far from our place. I didn't believe my eyes because the person that had sent the picture to me was none other than my previous ex-girlfriend who knew we were married and just wanted to make sure I wasn't played or anything. I thanked her and asked for the name of the restaurant just to be sure and she confirmed it. She even told me that she was there right at the moment she sent the picture and that if I wanted to confirm it, I should meet her over there. I quickly dressed up and I rushed out. I got to the restaurant quite quickly and I saw her there, sitting having dinner with this guy. I kept to myself as I walked out of the restaurant, already feeling betrayed, but she rushed to stop me, saying that the guy was nothing more than her work partner and that she was on her way back home when they met and decided to head out for a quick lunch. Her concocted story seemed all too far-fetched for me, but something deep down within me wanted to believe her so bad, and I did. I just took her home and we had a very deep and long talk about things. I wouldn't say that things were cool between us, but we were slowly moving past that day, until something happened one night. She'd been receiving unceasing phone calls from said man-slash-colleague. This went on mainly at midnight for the entirety of the whole week and she would always try to get me to sleep before midnight to make sure she could leave the room unnoticed. I picked up on what she was planning around the second day, and that around the fifth day, I'd planned to eavesdrop on the conversation she was having at nights. When she went outside to receive her phone call, I waited for about five minutes before heading outside the room too. As I began to hear their conversation, I almost fell to tears. The summary of the contents of their conversation was basically Randy, the colleague, asking her how long it would take for her to finally get access to my banking details, account sheets, and statements, to which she responded very soon. 
They talked some more, but I didn't want to hear all of what they said. I summoned up the courage I needed and dragged myself back to the room, hurriedly as I cried myself to sleep. I woke up the next morning, staring at the ceiling for more than an hour. I wondered what I could possibly do about this situation I'd found myself in. That day, I drove straight to my friend's place. We talked for a bit and I apologized for doubting him the day he told me what he thought about my wife, and then I told him of what I'd witnessed. He sympathized with me and asked what I'd planned to do. At the time, nothing was coming to mind, because my mind itself wasn't organized enough to think straight. However, my friend on the other hand had other things in mind. He let out his mind by simply telling me the next course of action to take, most of which I didn't fancy because I still had a strong feeling of love and affection for my ex-wife. I left his place a few hours later after we'd hung out for quite a while, and when I got home, she was her usual self, and I pondered on the suggestions given to me by my friend, all while simultaneously trying to figure out how she could carry on this act of deceit so well. Out of the numerous suggestions I got on how to play out the situation, I decided to go for the one that wouldn't cause her too much pain, but would be the most effective. I confronted her and made it known to her that I'd already caught up with her actions. I clearly didn't tell her I knew about her plan with Randy. I just made a vague statement, implying very randomly what I meant. It was then that she started to really feel the guilt eating at her. But I didn't stop there. After that very day, I would sometimes make implying statements about knowing her true objective, and when she had thought the cat was out of the bag, I would divert the conversation topic to something else. I decided to play this out for as long as I can. It went on for about six years, until she finally had enough and decided to confront me on this matter one evening while we were having a nice and relaxing evening. We were talking about how the both of our days went, and while we were comparing whose day was more stressful, she tried to make fun of me and I said my usual statement, and this struck a nerve deep down in her. She just got up and asked, what is it that you think you know so badly? You've been saying this for years on end now and I still don't know what you mean. When she said this, I just knew it had already eaten deep in her. She was beyond frustrated, so I decided to let the cat out of the bag. I sat her down and told her about the events that had played out the night I found out. She fell down to her knees and began to beg me. She cried as much as she could as she couldn't believe I knew what was happening the whole time. She tried to explain herself fully, to which I gave her the chance to do so. She said Randy was actually her ex-boyfriend, and that she was threatened by him to extort the little money she thought I had and that she felt she had no choice. But she ended things with him a year after we had gotten married. She felt that she couldn't go through with their plan any longer, and she decided at the time to remain ever faithful to me. Again, she had delivered another beautifully constructed story with her playing the victim. I just explained things to her that I hadn't planned to do anything to her, and that I lost all feelings of affection for her that night. I just felt like wasting a large portion of her life and making her realize that the time we both had spent together all these years was all for naught. She broke down in tears as she begged me to forgive her and accept her back. I told her about the new girl I'd been seeing for over two years now and she felt even more pained because she felt I wasn't one to do something like this. But this made it even more fun. I went inside our room and packed her bags for her, tried as much as possible to clear out all her things, and sorted things for her while she was in the living room crying her eyes out. I got back to the living room and dropped all her things for her and I told her straight to her face, here are your things, can you please leave? While she was begging, I went back to have my seat and continue my dinner, also while she was still pleading and crying. 
I called Amanda, my then girlfriend and currently my wife, to come over and she was all giddy. Deep down I just had a sense of achievement, for I truly felt I'd paid her back directly or indirectly if you may, in her own coin. She left the house that evening with her things, and that was the last I ever saw of Ashley. Things were really great between Amanda and I, and I've never felt more myself with her. We got married a year and a half after my divorce with Ashley. I wanted to tease her one last time, so I sent her a wedding invitation to my wedding. Her response made me feel good. Does anybody else feel it's a little bit overboard that OP spent six years enacting this revenge? I mean, I get it. If you thought this person was the one for you and you end up broken because of it, who knows what you might end up doing? But to go that long with it, that's just crazy, isn't it? That said, our next story is Once Upon a Time. Once upon a time, in a bustling city brimming with dreams and ambitions, there I had just gotten my new apartment after I'd been offered a position in a pharmaceutical company. I was fueled by passion and an unwavering belief in the goodness of humanity. But life has a way of testing even the strongest souls, and I found myself entangled in a web of deceit and betrayal. I was just fresh out of medical school when I got recommended for an office job by a friend of mine. I found myself as one of the frontrunners in the medical field of medicine and drug development. This looked like an opportunity for me to put to good use the amount of time I'd spent to become a certified medical professional. Back in college, I majored in the pharmaceutical aspect of medicine, and this was due to the fact that I couldn't handle the sight of blood all too well. But that of course didn't stop Ava from studying medicine. Working diligently for the prestigious company, I poured my heart and soul into my work. Some days I would stay late at work during my first few weeks on the job, just to leave a very good impression on my supervisor. I initially got to work under a supervisor as I was just new to the company and thus needed someone to guide me and supervise me firsthand, and also because I was just fresh out of medical school. My supervisor, Mr. Collins, initially was against the idea of having to supervise the new guy, because when I first got into the company, he did not even try to hide the dissatisfaction in the intentions as given the role. But I didn't mind that my supervisor disliked me. Rather than ponder over the countless reasons as to why he had a bad attitude towards me on the first day, I tried my possible best to show Mr. Collins the best of my... One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for the award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Capabilities. Little did I know that Mr. Collins had sinister intentions underneath his polished facade. He took advantage of my trust and vulnerability, using my dedication to exploit my skills and ideas as his own. A few months of employment into this company, 
I was appointed to a team tasked with the development of an experimental drug for a medical case sponsored by the company's board. Considering the fact that I was still under supervision, everything I came up with and every idea I had had to be run through my direct supervisor first before it can be presented. I didn't like this, but I felt that it was necessary to avoid mistakes, as in my line of work, the littlest of mistakes could prove to be very fatal. I agreed and set to work. I worked meticulously, day and night, just to get a proper head start amongst my coworkers. While others were turning in for the night, I would remain in the lab, continuously working. This went on for three months, until finally the light at the end of the tunnel began to show. It wasn't a full breakthrough per se, but I'd finally gotten something positive after months of endless and tireless research. Following the agreed-upon terms, I presented the mini-breakthrough I just had to my supervisor. I sent her work to Mr. Collins via email, and finally I got the proper rest I deserved after three long months. I came to work the next day hoping to get feedback on the work I'd sent my supervisor, but when I got in, he told me he hadn't seen my work yet and that I should resend it. I was a bit confused as to how this could happen, because when I sent the email to him yesterday, I called him immediately and gave him a brief summary of what I'd just done and that I'd just sent an email of my work to him and he confirmed that he would check it out that night. So, hearing him say he still hasn't seen my work was a bit odd to me, but I didn't think much of it at the time and I went ahead to resend the email again. Only this time I included a bolder and more obvious title and I sent it more than once to his email. I'd been waiting patiently for hours, which turned into days for a response from Mr. Collins, but I got no response. As the days turned into weeks, my unease grew. It wasn't until about three weeks after I'd submitted my work, I found out that Mr. Collins had already tendered a work portfolio in his name for the project we were working on, and to my greatest surprise, he had taken the work I had sent to him as his own without acknowledging my hand in it. I began to recognize the insidious nature of Mr. Collins' actions, stealing credit for my hard work while leaving me with nothing but a sense of violation and despair. Determination ignited within me, fueling a desire for justice and retribution. In other words, I felt betrayed by Mr. Collins' actions. This was one of the times I'd placed my complete trust in someone, and they let me down. I was lost. I had no idea what I was to do, as I initially fell into a state of despair. But that despair quickly turned into sheer determination, as I pondered over the fact that my sleepless nights were basically a waste at this point. Soon after I got a feedback from my supervisor, only after due credit had been stolen from me and the work had been completed, Mr. Collins called me into his office when he finally decided to come back and sat me down. He told me that since I was a newbie in this company, I probably didn't know how things were run, and that when I had a breakthrough like the one I had, I was to copyright my work to avoid my work getting stolen from me by others and that being my supervisor, he was entitled to any work I did, either good or bad. But in this situation, the outcome of my research being a good thing, he is fairly entitled to it. I went mad, with a raging fire burning inside me, but I had to control myself, because any unnecessary outburst would easily result in the company terminating my employment contract. I nodded my head obediently to everything Mr. Collins said to me about my work and I left his office only after he permitted me to do so. 
I went home that night with one thing on my mind, which was to terminate my contract unilaterally. I'd already written the letter of resignation before going to bed that night, but when I got up the next morning, I had a change of heart. I felt like I shouldn't give up so easily, but rather I should stand up for myself and get proper recognition for my work and in the process get back at Mr. Collins. And once I was motivated, I wasn't planning on backing down at all. I devoted countless sleepless nights to devising a plan, meticulously crafting each step to ensure Mr. Collins would face the consequences of his actions. I delved into the depths of my resilience, finding strength in the support of my closest friends and confidants who believed in my unwavering spirit. Finally, my chance soon came my way, as I found out that so far as I had concrete evidence that I was the one that came about the idea and worked on the project personally, I could potentially sue if the work was stolen from me. This was actually feasible in my case, but I wondered why no one had ever walked this path. It was then I realized that every single person that has ever been in my shoes in that company had always gone through the same thing. After having their work stolen by their higher-ups, they would just give up on fighting for what was theirs. I realized that over time, it became a norm amongst the new employees at the company. I decided that such was not going to be my case, as I wasn't ready to let my precious work slip from my hands. Armed with evidence of Mr. Collins' deceit, I set my plan into motion. I chose my battleground wisely using whatever means I could at my disposal to try as much as possible to arrange a meeting with the company's board of directors. I brought to the meeting concrete evidence that I was indeed the brains behind the work Mr. Collins had stolen and taken credit for creating and working on. I submitted hard copy evidence of the time and where I'd sent her work to my supervisor. I also asked the board to summon Mr. Collins to properly defend the work he had stolen from me as he would have no idea as to the origins of how I came about my work. Mr. Collins was called into the meeting room by the board and he was asked to give a proper presentation of the work and to give an honest defense to the work in question. The room was filled with men and women eagerly anticipating Mr. Collins' presentation, unaware of the storm about to descend upon their complacent world. As Mr. Collins stepped forward, brimming with arrogance, my heart pounded with a mix of nerves and anticipation. Mr. Collins actually started to give an in-depth analysis of the work I'd been working on, and it almost seemed like the defense was actually seeming to convince the board. With an unwavering voice, I revealed the truth, laying bare his manipulations and theft, shock, and disbelief rippled through the room, followed by murmurs of anger and betrayal. After which, Ava had let out what was on her mind, she was asked by the board to defend the accusations I'd placed on him, and to do so with the evidence I had claimed to be in possession of. My presentation followed, showcasing my brilliance in the vast contributions I'd made to the company via the project. Standing tall with my confidence radiating, I knew that I had the upper hand and the moral high ground. My passion and expertise shone brightly, illuminating the darkness that had clouded my path for far too long. As I began my presentation meticulously, I laid out everything I'd spent months preparing. I started off my presentation not in the best of ways, but I soon took my stand and gained my lost confidence as I gave a detailed analysis of every piece of evidence I had to present to the board. One by one, the board members turned their gaze to Mr. Collins, their expressions shifting from admiration to contempt. His mask of deceit crumbled, leaving him exposed and vulnerable. 
His reign of exploitation had come to a crashing halt, shattered by the truth that I'd fearlessly unveiled. Mr. Collins was speechless as he couldn't fathom what had just happened before his eyes. As I was done with the presentation, the board members told me to leave the room as they were going to make a decision as to what punishment Mr. Collins was going to receive. As she left the room, I felt relieved with what I had done, and I was leaving the boardroom. I felt a piercing gaze from Mr. Collins. I knew that one thing was for sure. I'd finally gotten back my pride and dignity. The meeting on the final decision to be carried out relative to Mr. Collins' case went on for quite a while, as there were other external incriminating evidences that were being brought to light in the boardroom. I sat outside patiently anticipating how the good news was going to be broken to me. At long, final last, after waiting for more than an hour, Mr. Collins exited the boardroom, their eyes met, and I could feel the rage in his gaze. He could not utter a word as he walked quickly by her. I was called back into the boardroom and was informed of the latest developments that were to take effect from the next day. Mr. Collins was relieved of his position in the company. He was to relinquish all of the financial merits he'd received from the start of the project till the end of the project to me, and his medical license was also under intense review, as this was not the first case brought up against Mr. Collins, but it was almost certain that his license would be revoked. Additionally, I would receive credit that was originally meant to be mine. I was overjoyed as I could not believe I actually did it. I finally had the feeling that after months of uninterrupted dedication to recover credit and merit that was wrongfully stolen from me, I was finally successful. I was almost in tears as I couldn't stop thanking the members of the board. Justice was served that day. Mr. Collins was stripped of his power and position. His credibility shattered beyond repair. As he slinked away, a mere shell of his former self, I stood amidst the rubble of my past, victorious and free. When I got to work the next day, I was congratulated by my colleagues and members of the department. Deep down, I'd come to a realization, which was that I had exacted her revenge successfully. But revenge, I realized, was only a stepping stone on my journey to reclaim my spirit. The weight of my ordeal began to lift, replaced by a newfound sense of empowerment and resilience. I knew that my true triumph lay not in the downfall of my oppressor, but in my ability to rise above the darkness to heal and to embrace a brighter future. From that day forward, I set out to make sure that people, women in particular, would not ever have to feel oppressed and powerless in the face of anybody ever in their lives. I became a beacon of hope for others who had suffered similar injustices. I used my experiences to inspire change and championed a culture of integrity and respect within the workplace. My resilience and unwavering spirit ignited a movement that transformed countless lives, ensuring that no one would endure the pain I'd endured. After quite a while, I decided to take a break from my work and venture into the field of law to get an in-depth understanding of how the law works, so that I can better represent people that are feeling oppressed anywhere they find themselves in the society. I felt that if I could help people at all, I could as well help them by being a representative for everyone that was going through or that had gone through what I'd went through. The only way I saw to accomplish this was to legally be their representative. My journey served as a reminder that even in the face of adversity, the strength to overcome lies within. I emerged from the shadows, my spirit unbroken, and set out to create a world where exploitation had no place, where justice and compassion reigned supreme. I mean, you can just tell the passion that is pouring from OP into the story. 
honestly, with somebody that passionate about what they do now, I kind of wish, although it definitely is very justified helping people obtain and retain the credit they deserve, you kind of wish that they were still focusing more on that medical research and trying to advance things because it sounds to me like OP somebody that's going to really work hard at it. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another absolutely crazy revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.